0: Matter of fact, let us pray. Father God, with the time we have remaining, we ask that you speak to our hearts and that you remind us who we are and that you remind us what we're here for, that we're not here for ourselves, we're here for you, and we're here to serve others. Thank you that the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, Father, as I speak about a matter uh, today that uh, is very prevalent in our society, you have a word for us. You always have and you always will. It's just a matter of if the church has an ear to hear what you're saying. So as we sang and worship today and our prayer was, Holy Spirit, Come fill this place. We cannot understand you or your word without help from you through the Holy Spirit. I can't even teach it without you. So God, do it all from the delivery to the reception to the application thereof. And we promise to give your name the glory. For we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. It's February sixteenth, two 2014, and by now, all of us knows someone who is a homosexual. It could be a family member, a close friend, a colleague, a classmate, a client, a co-worker, a business associate, a professor, a minister, an entertainer, or even a neighbor. It is quite possible that you may be the one who classifies yourself as a homosexual or other. This is why I wanted the student ministry to sit in today because the homosexual issue is quickly embedding itself into our society. And the intense social pressure to conform to its agenda is very strong. Whereas I grew up in high school with one or two queer gentlemen and one or two lesbians, this trend is far more prevalent today among our teenagers. What do you say in the lunchroom? How do you love and respect your classmates without condoning their behavior or condemning them to hell? Like never before, teenagers must own their Christian faith and be able to articulate it. Because there are Christians who were once fornicators, who were once adulterers, who were once liars and thieves, There is hope for anyone inside or outside of the church who wants to be delivered from the homosexual lifestyle. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I still happen to believe there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power in the spirit of Jesus. There is power in the word of Jesus. There is power in the grace of Jesus, and there is power in the love of Jesus to bring about God-honoring transformation in any life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11 tell us this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, (laughs) but you were washed, but you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Do we have any such were some of you in the house today? Do we have anybody who used to be a practicing fornicator? Do we have anybody who used to be a practicing adulterer? We may have someone in this place who used to practice homosexuality, but by the grace of God, we have been washed, we have been justified, and we are being sanctified by grace. Therefore, the church should be a loving, safe, and truthful place where no one feels comfortable staying in his or her sin but rather we feel convicted about coming out of our sin. And once convicted over our sin, forgiveness, healing, and change are now possible. And due to the fact that the gay lifestyle is becoming more and more accepted in society, and due to the recent turn of events, it is imperative that Christians, listen to this, formulate a strategy to reach the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer community, and an apologetic to defend basic Christian beliefs like the fact that God created the covenant of marriage to be between one man and one woman, ideally for one lifetime. That, my brothers and sisters, is a bedrock Christian belief and doctrine. My concerns are not with the world. It's not about what the world does. My concerns are with the church. Because the world has its own philosophies, its practices and beliefs that are contrary to God. But the church is to always be on the offensive against the gates of hell. And never on the defensive. So how does the church make it stand? We make it in Jesus' name, and we make it devoid of fear. On Monday of this past week, I heard something that set this sermon in motion for our Verses series. Therefore, I'm entitling today's message, Gay Rights versus Civil Rights. On May 9, 2012, before running for his second term in office, President Barack Obama said, I think that same-sex couples should be able to get married. At this year's Grammy Awards, Ryan and Macklemore performed their anthem to homosexuality called Same Love, while Queen Latifah officiated the wedding of several homosexual couples against the backdrop of a church's stained glass windows. A verse in that song says, Gay is synonymous with the lesser. It's the same hate that caused wars, from religion, gender to skin color, the complexion, complexion of your pigment, the same fight that led people to walkouts and sit-ins. It's human rights for everybody. There is no difference. So on Monday of this past week, Michael Sam, an All-American football player for the University of Missouri, made global headlines when he declared that he was gay. So if Sam gets drafted, he will become the first outspokenly gay athlete in the National Football League. The possibility of this feat led former National Football player and Fox Sports analyst Brandon Ian Badejo to say, we were there to celebrate his groundbreaking voyage that in many ways is similar to those of Jackie Robinson and Rosa Parks extraordinary moments in the push for equality. But this comparison between gay rights and civil rights is nothing new because the December 16, 2008 issue of The Advocate announced on its cover, gay is the new black and it is the last great civil rights struggle. The NAACP has gone on record as endorsing gay marriage as a civil right. Even Congressman John Lewis, a man who was active in the early civil rights movement, believes that gay rights should be equated to civil rights. But I take great exception to these comparisons because in my opinion, and I have one, being gay and being black should not be equated on the same civil rights plane. They are, amen, come on. They are two separate issues, and the current gay agenda should not be allowed to hijack the historic civil rights platform, and here's why, in my estimation. Number one, there is no fair historical comparison between the black and gay journeys. There is no fair historical comparison between the black and gay journeys. It was in the furnace of affliction brought about by the unique experience of African slavery that the civil rights movement was even born. For almost 250 years my African ancestors were captured, sold, separated from their families, forcibly cut off from their homeland, transported to America against their will, auctioned, worked like animals, bred like animals, raped, castrated, whipped, burned alive, mentally, physically, and verbally abused, denied human rights and basic necessities, lynched and tortured for the crime of having black skin. Though other ethnic and social groups have experienced discrimination and hardship in America's history, none of their experiences can adequately compare with the harsh reality of slavery and its brutal consequences on our people and the nation. Yes, there has been gay suffrage, but has it been to this level? Of course not. And once my people were freed in 1863, We weren't technically freed until the 13th Amendment passed in 1865, but we still had no true economic, social, or political power. We had to endure over 100 years of Jim Crow segregation, discrimination, and abasement. Gay people will never know about separate and unequal schools, substandard housing, demoralizing Jim Crow signs, and being attacked by police dogs and fire hoses while marching for their rights. Secondly, homosexuals will never know a day when they are not classified as citizens of the United States or counted as three-fifths of a person when the Dred Scott decision in 1857 went down. Africans in America, whether slave or free, were the only group of people to have it written into the Constitution of the the United States that persons of African descent cannot be nor were ever intended to be citizens of the United States. Chief Justice Roger Taney said, Blacks are beings of inferior order and altogether unfit to associate with the white race either in social or political relations and so far inferior that they had no rights which the white man was bound to respect. On top of all of this, Gay people will never be classified as three-fifths of a person the way my African ancestors were classified that way in 1787 for so-called political purposes. Gay people have so much political clout today that their agenda is quickly being supported by over three-fifths of the American people. And speaking of political power or the lack thereof, What does it take for a person to get convicted of murdering an unarmed black youth in Florida? (laughs) Michael Dunn was convicted of everything but murder. But you let the tables turn. If that was an older white man killed by a black youth, he would be up under the jail. And if that were a gay person killed by a straight person, the country would be in an uproar. But we live in a day where black youths are getting killed by the thousands and no one seems to care. Where's the equality? Thirdly, blacks did not have the same social opportunities during the civil rights era that gays and lesbians enjoy today for the most part. The financial, political, and social situation of the average gay or lesbian in America today is far better than the average situation of an African-American during the days of segregation. Somebody might say, even today. But considering their present positions of socioeconomic privilege, who were the black civil rights era equivalents to Anderson Cooper? Ellen DeGeneres, Mayor Anise Parker of Houston, and CEO Tim Cook of Apple. Neither Rosa Parks nor Jackie Robinson ever received a congratulatory phone call from the President or First Lady of the United States the way Jason Collins and Michael Sam received when they broke out of their situation and made it known. Black people in segregation did not have the politically correct support that Michael Sam is now getting as he receives standing ovations. How can there even be a fair comparison when the King holiday still gets overlooked in certain institutions and the relevance of Black History Month is still being questioned? even though there is not any credible scientific evidence proving that a person can be born gay, many will still debate this notion. But with me, it cannot be debated on whether or not I was born black. It's obvious I was born black. (laughs) My skin color cannot be hidden. But a person's sexual orientation can be hidden unless unless it is willfully displayed. I never had to have a press conference to come out and make an official statement saying that I am black. (laughs) It cannot be concealed. But with the help of God, a homosexual can become a former homosexual, and that is our prayer. But guess what? A black person can never become a former black person. I know Michael Jackson tried, but he was still, he was still considered the N-word in certain circles, despite his bleached skin, mass popularity, and great wealth. So how did we get here? Because we weren't always here. H- how did we get here? Well, The black church, which gave birth to the civil rights movement, is partly responsible for society's growing acceptance of the gay lifestyle. I say this because the black church, which the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. once said was the moral conscience of the nation, has failed miserably on morality. The black church with its gay clergy, gay singers, gay choir directors, gay musicians, gay Christian recording artists, and gay television and radio hosts, the black church has remained participatory, silent, and accepting of this sin for decades. This unspoken compliance and unchecked hypocrisy help create the atmosphere whereby the president of the United States, Michael Sam, Macklemore, and the NAACP can equate the recent gay socio-political struggle with the historical Black civil rights struggle. We got here because the church lost its saltiness. In Matthew 5:13. Jesus said, you, you, my disciples, my followers, you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it, how shall the earth, how shall the world be seasoned? How shall your job be seasoned, your home be seasoned? How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Jesus said his disciples were to be to the world what salt is to food. Salt is a preservative and an enhancer. Salt hinders the spread of contamination. Salt brings out flavor and salt creates thirst. We, the church, are supposed to be the salt of the earth. The idea is that our individual and collective presence in the world should preserve morality and create spiritual thirst in sinners so that we can offer them the living water, which is Jesus Christ, the blessed Son of God. However, salt in Jesus' day became useless when it was mixed and contaminated with gypsum and other minerals making it taste flat and even repulsive. Much of this kind of salt is found on the shores of the Dead Sea. And once salt has lost its flavor, or the reason why it was created, because it has become all mixed up with the things of the world, it is good for nothing and is to be discarded to a footpath where men walk all over it. Can't you see it? The church has become so compromised that we are being walked on. But pastor, how do we overcome? I mean, if we're going to talk civil rights, let's talk about overcoming. Well, we overcome when a remnant in the church, a remnant rises up and takes a stand the same way a remnant of the church rose up in the 50s and the 60s with the civil rights movement. It was a remnant comprised of blacks and whites, of men and women. They did it through nonviolent passive resistance. So in a similar fashion, we must meet today's gay marriage onslaught through what I call grace, truth, and love resistance. They did it with nonviolent passive resistance. We're going to do it with grace, truth, and love resistance. Grace because every sinner needs it. Grace because it reminds us that our God is so patient with us. Grace because it covers a multitude of sin. Grace because it sets in motion the saving of a human soul. Grace because it gives us the desire to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and the strength to live upright lives. But there's truth. Truth because it sanctifies us. Truth because it challenges our hearts and transforms our minds. Truth because it lays the foundation for which our lives are to be built upon. Truth because there can be no conviction without confrontation. Truth because God's word is truth. Love because it casts out fear. Love because it believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love because it never fails. Love because even though you may crucify it, you can't stop it from loving you. Love because God is love, and he loved us to the point of death so that he could save us to the point of life. Grace, truth, and love are the embodiment of Jesus, and they should be the embodiment of his followers. But keep in mind as I come towards a close, not everyone heard Jesus then and not everyone will hear Jesus now. Not everyone received Jesus. Not everyone liked what he stood for. He was hated, ridiculed, called names, falsely accused, misquoted, taken out of context, lied upon, arrested, beaten, and crucified. The day has come where people who name the name of Jesus and believe in heterosexual monogamous marriage, the day has come when we will be persecuted, maligned, and socially decapitated. John the Baptist lost his head. Why? Because he stood up and spoke out against a political leader who was in an unlawful marriage with his brother's wife. And if he lost his head for standing up and speaking against that, we need to be prepared to lose our head on a social level. We won't get invited to certain things. We'll get put down when we stand up and say that the only marriage that God recognizes, blesses and endorses, is a marriage between one man and one woman Preferably for one lifetime. When we stand for that, get ready to be decapitated by society. In the book of Revelation, it talks about when the Antichrist comes back and the way in which he is going to separate the people who trust in his regime versus those who trust in the Lord is that those who have the mark on their hand or on their head, 666, they will be the ones who will have access to society's goods. But those who don't bow down to that, those who don't give in to that secular agenda, they won't have that mark, and many of them are going to lose their head. Now, before that happens literally, and I believe it will happen literally, it is going to happen socially. So when you get called hate monger, homophobic, when you don't get invited, when They don't interview you after the game because they know what you stand for or you lose money because you don't agree with this or endorse that. Just thank the Lord that you get to suffer for righteousness sake. If you fall for the lie and believe this doctrine that is taught by demons and destroys the very fabric of society you will join the ranks of those who are headed for destruction. That road to destruction is wide, and more and more people are getting on it every day, including professing Christians. But if you stand for truth, God's truth, even if you are in the minority, God will use you as salt to preserve morality in the culture and hopefully introduce many to the only satisfier of the human soul, Jesus Christ. But in conclusion, we must all ask ourselves, how is our saltiness? Have we become so mixed up with the world's philosophies, positions, and political correctness that we have become disqualified for the kingdom? In our desire to love and accept and not vilify people of a homosexual kind, and no one here is endorsing that or inhumane treatment towards people of a different orientation. We need to ask ourselves, though, in our desire to comfort them, have we compromised God's word and grieved his spirit in the process? Have we worked so hard to not offend the world that we have now become enemies of God? What side do you stand on? Do not be deceived. Choose this day whom you will serve. For the church to regain its saltiness, we must repent, personally and corporately. When Jesus addressed the seven churches of Asia Minor in the book of Revelation chapters 2 and 3, of the seven churches, only two were commended, five were rebuked. Again, it speaks of the fact that there's a remnant that will stand and do the right thing for the Lord. But there's always grace and a chance for the rest of us to get it right if we have an ear to hear what the Lord is saying to the churches. And of the five churches, and many of them were immoral, Jesus showed up and he said to them, repent. He said, repent. He said to one church, I love the fact that you're trying to take a stand because you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So from that we learn that we can love the homosexual but man we hate the sin of homosexuality. That's Jesus and that should be his follower. So as a pastor of a multiracial church in the south I am a product of the civil rights movement. Strong Tower Bible Church is an authentic fulfillment of Dr. King's dream when he envisioned the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners joining hands as sisters and brothers. We are the fulfillment of that! Therefore, as a black pastor, of a multiracial church, I have a historical right to speak up, probably more than most. But above all, I have a spiritual right to speak up as a preacher of the gospel, regardless of my skin color, to say without equivocation that the only kind of marriage that God recognizes and blesses is the one he created, and that is marriage between one man and one woman. The Bible says He that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. He wife. He wife. He wife favor from the Lord. But Hebrews 13:4 says Marriage is honorable in all things, and the marriage bed is undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. So we need to preach and encourage people in the name of Jesus, by the spirit of Jesus, in the love of God. You must repent. You're playing with something that's going to kill you. So those of you who have come out of homosexuality, don't you be ashamed of that. You stand up and talk about, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he changed me and he can change you. Shame on the black church for looking down on Donnie McClurkin when he came out of the closet of sin and into the light of righteousness and no longer endorsed that kind of lifestyle. And he got blackballed by his own people on the civil rights holiday of Dr. King. Shame on the black church. But there's another church. There's a multiracial church that the world don't know what to do with. Because as we live this thing together, they're going to know that we're his disciples. As we stand up together for the things of God, we don't have to stand up for what we're against so much. But we stand up for what we are for. And when we talk about what we are for, it will be clear about what we are against. It's not hate speech. It's the truth. And the truth is going to set somebody free. Does anybody believe there is still power in the name of Jesus? There's something about Jesus. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about Jesus. He'll change you. He's changing me. I was a fornicator, but I'm a committed man of God to my wife. Everyone needs compassion Love that's never failing